a Franny, and welcome to Shift F1, a podcast about speedy race cars. That, by the way, is Italian for all gas, no brakes. Uh, or at least <laughs> that's according to Jersey Mackham and Hammond of Texas in the Shift F1 patron Discord who suggested it this week. So I hope they're not wow. telling me how to, to say bad things in Italian. Uh, I am Drew Scanlon. Joining me, Danny O'Dwyer. How are you, Danny? I'm good. I like that you're crowdsourcing your uh, scripts this this, uh, this I, They this offer. Time. I didn't it's, ask. I usually put in the legwork, but you know. Well, hey, mate, you do a lot of legwork each each and every week. Me, I just turn up this week. You know, we're in a delicious Italian sandwich and I'm just a piece of pepperoni waiting to be eaten. <laughs> Irish pepperoni. Uh, also joining us, Rob Zachney. How are you, Rob? Uh, not bad. Just here. Not not about to be devoured as part of some sort of what ingredient uh, are you, Rob? Sand. Nope, nope. <laughs> you the mozzarella? Um, I would. You know, if I could be anything, though, uh, I think I'd be uh, stracciatella, which is the um, the really stringy, creamy center of a uh, oh. mozzarella ball. Oh, oh my God! The ball has different parts. I learn something new every day. Uh, speaking of learning new things, if you are new to this podcast, welcome. Uh, and if you're new to Formula One itself, we've got an episode just for you. We have a preseason primer episode out there, episode 96, uh, which assumes no prior F1 knowledge and gives the lowdown on how the sport works and who everybody is. So if you'd like to go listen to that, it's back in the archives, episode 96. Also, this show is supported entirely by our audience at patreon.com slash shift F1. Uh, where every month we release bonus podcasts and sometimes some videos for our patrons covering racing documentaries and films, F1 video games, primers for other series, uh, and a lot of weird things. So if you'd like to get access to all of that and support the show, head over to patreon.com slash shift F1 or click the link in the show notes. Boy, fellas, do we have a lot to discuss today. First off, (laughs) let's just jump right into the race weekend at Monza, shall we? Yeah, we had the famine. Now here's the feast. Oh, boy. Yeah. Uh, truer words were never spoken. Um, all right. Qualifying at Monza it has been weird for the past believe. few years. <laughs> I know. I cannot believe this happened again. I cannot believe this happened again. Yeah. Jesus. If you are just joining this season, um, so Monza is such a short lap that everybody gets bunched up. Um, and you would think that teams would leave enough time when they exit the pits so that they wouldn't have this mess. But the the issue here is that no one wants to be first on track. Everyone wants to be behind another car. Yeah. And at a specific distance. is huge here. Slipstream is absolutely huge. So nobody wants to be... Anyone, anyone... People are happy being second, third, fourth, as long as the gap is enough and they're going down that back straight. But nobody wants to be the one punching that hole in the air. And last year... That meant a bunch of them didn't set a time. Yeah, so you want to be close enough that you're in the other car's wake in the straights, but not so close that the wake disturbs your arrow dynamics in the corners. This is kind of the difference between getting a toe and being in dirty air. Chain Bear has a good uh, video about this that I can link in the show notes. So that's what everyone's trying to do. They're trying to slow down to get a proper gap to the car ahead, but the cars behind, who have left so little time on the clock, are afraid of not getting their lap in. So... They overtake the car ahead and contribute to further confusion. Um, Jensen Button, who was commentating this weekend, basically said it didn't used to be like this because everyone basically, basically said everyone had manners. Um, right. Yeah, yeah. I'm, sure, I'm sure that was it, Jensen. I'm sure that in your day, uh, men were men and there was respect among the families. Uh, and it doesn't have to do with the way arrow setups uh, have worked out or parity among the non-Mercedes engine manufacturers. Like, this is, it's a confluence of the technical regulations, which Jensen hasn't raced under. And just the way this era of power units have shaken out where you have kind of this Mercedes and everybody else uh, class structure that I think has caused everybody to need uh, those, you know, couple, uh, those, those few tenths on each of the straights uh, then get from the slipstream. Um, I'm, I think it was probably not this way in the past because it was more forgiving. Maybe things were more spread out and there was maybe not quite, the trade-off was not quite as uh, clear cut when it came to issues of, do I need that slipstream or do I need cleaner air 
uh, for the few corners that are here. Um, I, I think it's a little rich to be like, you know, this is some sort of moral decline in F1. <laughs> yeah, I, even Max Verstappen was saying recently that like the the modern F1 cars just have like they're just too good basically was his point. Like the downforce is such that you can kind of um uh you know do whatever you want in them. Um and that downforce is part of what contributes to this uh the dirty air, the toe thing. So F1 I think next year is lessening the amount of downforce. Um, through some technical regulations. And of course, the 2022 regulations are, are uh, poised to reduce a lot of that as well. So maybe we won't see it as much in the future. They tried to institute a new rule this weekend to curb uh, this effect, but it, it apparently did not work. Mm-hmm. Um, and on the grid, it looked to be pretty much what we have come to expect, at least in the last few races. Lewis Hamilton on top, Valtteri Botas behind by like 0.06 of a second pretty close um carlos signs jr however third place sergio perez in fourth max verstappen finally in fifth red bull apparently just doesn't seem to handle um the high speed tracks as well they're more of an aerodynamic powerhouse so good in the corners but this could also be that new engine mode rule uh rearing its head um lando norris is in sixth followed by uh, Daniel Ricardo, Lance Stroll, Alex Albon, and Pierre Gasly uh, starting 10th. Daniel Kvyat in 11th, followed by Esteban Ocon, Charles Leclerc. That's right, the first of the Ferraris is starting 13th. Uh, and this was just their pace. Nothing happened. Uh, Karun Chandok even went over Leclerc's lap in qualifying and basically couldn't find any errors. The car is just that slow. Uh, Kimi Raikkonen in 14th nearly ran to the back of Esteban Ocon in Q1 when he moved across the track. Yeah, during that whole kerfuffle to, to for track position. Yeah, that was <laughs> the reaction time. Uh, these guys never ceases to amaze me. Kevin Magnussen in 15th, Roman Grosjean in 16th, Sebastian Vettel in 17th Ouch. behind both Haas cars, which you'll recall uh, use Ferrari engines. Then we've got Antonio Giovinazzi, George Russell, and Nicolas Latifi. Danny. Hmm. Do you want to take us through the start? Yeah, it's it's an exciting looking um uh front of the pack. Maybe not the tip top front because, you know, whatever. Mercedes is sitting up there, but um a lot of cars behind them and you're kinda always looking at that first turn of the Monza. It's not the long well, actually it's a pretty long straight down to turn one, but it's a big braking zone big escape road on it you can kind of almost get three cars wide at the start of the turn but by the time you turn over turn two you can kind of just about get two so it, you always you know there's always a decent amount of like calamity that can happen as well as a uh, chunky grass on either side that can sometimes send cars straight into the back as we saw in i think it was f2 this weekend um or out wide um and then that escape road which we'll see later on but as it happens hamilton had his normal good start botas critically did not put down the accelerator during the second beep horn in Mario Kart, so everyone else <laughs> seemed to get a faster getaway than he did. Um, Sainz was almost immediately into second, and then suddenly Botas is fighting for his life. Um, Norris got past him. Uh, Albon went a little bit wide and kind of didn't have the best ever start there. And then basically the next couple of turns, Hamilton's ahead. There's no contact really from the rest of the pack behind, and Votas is just slowly getting gobbled up. On the second Lesmo, he seemed to get a little bit shaky and wide, so it wasn't even just a, a, like a start problem or a speed problem. He seemed to just be, I don't know, not feeling particularly great with all these cars around him. Maybe uh, Ricardo got past him on that one, um, underneath the as they sort of go underneath the um, uh, the what do we call it, the banking. Um, and I think he was down to sixth by that stage. Where did Max Verstappen start? Because I have him in seventh at this stage. He started fifth. Okay, yeah. So I think he also didn't have a fantastic start. Uh, and that also mirrored by Albon. So, yeah, um, the only real change was that we just had Botas slowly tumbling down the order and um, looked like everyone got away scot-free from the first couple of turns. Albon had some pretty bad... like. I feel a little bit for Albon because he's trying to follow Ricardo uh, to the outside down that opening straight. The issue was, you know, 
I think when Ricardo went through, they weren't going through uh, three three abreast in the in the uh, sort of row that he was in. Hmm. But by the time Albin gets down there, uh, to your point, they were trying to go three abreast. He had uh, I think Gasly between him and uh, Stroll. I want to say, uh, and so Gasly was just pinned because Stroll didn't like cut all the way over to the inside of the uh, first part of the chicane. And so Gasly just sort of stays straight ahead and um, hits Albin really hard. Like, it's enough to unsettle the car. And you see, like, the um, rear right, like, goes in the air uh, as the car sort of gets thwacked. It's kind of surprising that there was no damage to either car. Um, But, yeah, like, Albin just got off to such a rough start there, I feel, for the guy. Um, Because, like, from from what you can see from his camera, camera view... He doesn't appear to do anything that wrong. He mm. just he, he just gets unsettled uh, at the start. Um, you know who had a good start, though? Antonio Giovinazzi. Oh, really? Yeah, he totally video gamed it in the first, uh, <laughs> at, at the start. Like, he took that outside line of the first chicane and, like, really was pushing it in terms of, is this theoretically possible for Did this car to make Did he kiss the grass? This? Somebody hit the grass on, around the outside there. Um, Went up a little bit. It mightn't have been him. Might have been. I think someone. it was Ricardo. Ricardo racing up. Oh, that on was the Ricardo. Grass. Was it? Yeah, okay. Ricardo. Uh, he loves the grass. Whip, yeah, he whipped yeah. around. <laughs> when there's not drains, <laughs> it was not a drain. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, no. So Giovinazzi got a lot of good places uh, up at the first chicane, and then he did a really good job uh, picking off Albin at the at the next chicane. So like Giovinazzi had a nice start. I'm. Trying to figure out where he's at, where he's at as a driver, because mm. there's flashes of like real smart aggression from him, but the um, I would say maybe the Alfa Romeo factor makes it tough to really rate him uh, right now. It's just one of those guys mm-hmm. where it's like maybe. Yeah, we saw it with Kimi later on as well. Yeah. And one thing to mention as well about you, what you were saying about Albon is that also it did seem like as he kind of went over those little sleeping policeman bollards right as he cut that chicane and it sounds like maybe he had some floor damage that sort mm. of was a problem that he continued to have for the rest of the race I don't think I ever got a, oh, right. an answer to that but they, it did yeah. seem like Brundle says also, it looks like a shark got his car right like that's, <laughs> yeah he also crunched into Grosjean on lap two I think and took off some carbon fiber I don't know whose car it came off of but it definitely I think on the odd board video uh, you can see Stuff flying all over the place. Um, also, not having a great few opening laps. Sebastian Vettel oh. losing his brakes on lap six, uh, demolishing some styrofoam markers, uh, and then retires from Ferrari's home race. Can I just say, uh, is anyone else surprised that he bothered to bring the car home? Because, like, the brakes are gone. They can't stick new brakes on your car. Why didn't he just pull over somewhere? Like, did he really just not want to cause a safety car? Because instead he drifted into the paddock with no brake there <laughs> right. was it a complete yeah, brake failure or did he have any rear brake left i mean i think he had rear brake and he might have had front left brake i you know i i think he had some brakes so I, yeah maybe maybe yeah. it wasn't that big a deal i don't know um, i there does seem to be a um a pretty like guys want to get the car back to the garage uh oftentimes when they know there's no like their race is not going to continue and I don't know if it just makes teardown a lot easier or if, like, it's considered really bad form to not nurse it to uh, to <laughs> safety because um, they're so much more aggressive about calling safety cars now. Yeah, um, that's true. Any car that's left on track, they basically do it. <laughs> Does anyone know what happened to Magnussen? Because I was looking at the timing here because Vettel had, was basically, before that happened, Vettel was still in 17th. He was actually getting hunted by Russell, so I'm not sure if he already had problems with the brakes at that stage. But Kevin Magnussen's 30 seconds behind everyone. <laughs> And no he, one ever. What happened? Did something happen? Uh, I, I don't know a, if like there was an off or something. But he, he had a I big mean, off in qualifying and all, and almost binned the car out in the gravel on the second. Yes, uh, the second um, Lesmo. But sorry, you were saying. Uh, he there is a, a power unit problem later in the race, so maybe he was dealing with that. He ended uh, up closing up that gap a little bit, but it was just shocking. It was like four laps yeah. in, and he was like. It's 30 seconds behind. I was like, what happened to you, mate? Um, yeah. Also not having a great <laughs> great few opening laps. As we mentioned, Valtteri Bottas, he even said over the radio, I can't race with these engine settings 
It's a yes. joke. Yes. So are we looking really at really interesting? Yeah. Are we looking at this? Is this is the problem? Is that like they they spec that Mercedes to go fast and quali and to go fast when there's no one else in front of you? They're very mm-hmm. good at making sure that there's a gap between him and Hamilton, and that they. But the minute he's stuck in dirty air with everyone else and he's not able to switch that power into like crazy overtake mode, he's just stuck. Okay. So. Not to jump ahead to the news thing, but like they talk about during the show about like, is this a good case for the reverse grid races? And I don't know about that, but it does seem like, to your point, the Mercedes is tuned to win the race insofar as it can on Saturday. And it just is if those cars lead from the front, they're untouchable. But now we've seen a few times when they get thrown into the pack, they look very mortal. Uh, compared to the rest of the field. And this is not a new thing. Like, when Red Bull was dominant, I don't seem to recall that thing being like a hot knife through butter when it was, like, mixed into the pack. Again, it was Seb, like, sort of taking that new special, you know, mm-hmm. out to a lead and just never relinquishing it. And I do kind of wonder, like, is this kind of one of the real reasons that the show has gotten so dull? It's just the way that F1 does qualifying makes it so that the smartest thing you can, because track position is king, the smartest thing you can do is just build a car that you compromise its race capacity to get it on the front of the grid on Saturday, and then you just you hold on. Because uh, hmm. if what we see this weekend certainly indicates that the Mercedes does not have that kind of, of race pace. I think it also does highlight the degree to which Botas maybe is a perfect number two driver for this strategy of yeah, Mercedes. Yeah. But like Hamilton does not have the same problems in, in traffic and managing the car that Botas does. And so I think it all like it highlights how dependent Botas is on not giving up that front position at the start. Yeah, and it's interesting. I almost wish this race was a little bit longer so we could get that litmus test from Hamilton because we'll talk about it later, but he doesn't have that much problem getting through the pack when it's some of the really slow cars. But he, it, the same as Botas, the minute it starts getting into the sort of more competitive mid-pack, he also start, started to, to have a bit of a, a, an arresting there. So, But anyway, I'm getting ahead of myself here. Yeah, so as we mentioned, uh, power unit problems for Magnussen finally catch up with him and he has to pull to the side of the road uh just in front of the pit entrance uh almost immediately yellow flags come out and i had to go back and look at this a couple of times to figure out just what happened here but according to what i could see um as soon as that happens almost everybody drives by magnuson while the yellow flags are waving but gasly running in 10th place decides to jump into the pits um after about 30 seconds since the yellow flags he has already I, I think he oh really because i thought no. that he had pitched before magnuson i thought that's he was, what i saw I, yeah that he had exited the pits before the magnuson thing happened he actually like, did it a lot prior his on 19. i because i watched this just before we because because i was like how did gasly do this and i was looking at the um the just the track data uh, screen for the race replay and as they're making the call that Magnuson is sort of pulling the car off onto the grass strip you see the pit icon come up for Gasly which means he's already in the lane so he maybe saw that Gasly was wounded and like made the call Magnuson? but uh, yeah 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 um, but Gasly saw the Ma- may have seen that Gasly was wounded and like made that decision. But yeah, he wasn't it, like it, it. Almost seems like if anything, it might have just been either really heads up driving from Gasly, or just miraculous chance that he had a weird like early stop strategy go into play just as Magnussen uh, failed. So a few other cars had. Uh, come into the pits just before. Um, I think it was uh, Raikkonen, Leclerc, and Latifi. Um, mm. But uh, in any case, at about 60 seconds since the yellow flag came out, a safety car gets deployed. And because Magnussen stopped near the pit entry, race control closes the pit lane so that cars don't interfere with uh, recovery efforts. When this they happens... Have, they can't get him through the the, the slot that he parked beside because yeah of, i didn't know this but there's yeah. uh there there the gaps in the fences are color-coded and if they're orange that means it's a marshall stand 
Right. Uh, and it's not a place where you can actually extract a car. If you Funny. look at the, there's a shot of it where like, there's like tables and stuff there and it's, it may not actually be wide enough for a two meter car to get through there. So they could not have pulled it through that way. So they had to push it through the pit lane. And as a result, um, light boards on the edges of the track showed these big yellow X's to indicate that the pit lane is closed. Even with these warnings, Hamilton and Giovinazzi both come into the pits. Um, well, it was so strange because Hamilton came into the pits and you're expecting the train and then suddenly they're like, oh, Signs and Norris are staying out? Like, in what world do you stay out? Like, the, right. And then Perez goes past and you're like, and then the commentator started to go, oh, is, the, is it, it must be closed because why else would everyone else decide that they're going to stay out? Um, right. So, obviously, this was weird. Um, and not really uh, readily explainable why they didn't see the pit like you wouldn't this is this violates the rules so you wouldn't do this on purpose uh total wolf said after the fact that the only way that mercedes could have spotted that the pit lane was shut this is from autosport by the way uh was by looking at the fourth page of the fia timing information screen quote from the pit wall you can't see those yellow crosses and if the driver doesn't spot them which i believe is absolutely the truth hamilton saying that uh, he didn't see them um the only way you can see that the pit lane was closed was on page four of the fia communication system nobody looks at that page when the safety car is deployed the driver is about to come into the pits everything is concentrated around uh the pit stop uh so <laughs> and yet and yet all the other teams did well yep <laughs> Yeah, but they also, yeah, but they weren't as far ahead. They had a few seconds to realize, like, wait, the pits are closed. Uh, Like, Hamilton was, I think, far enough ahead that he might have run into trouble. But we're all agreed. Like, I wouldn't have seen that cross. Uh, Like, I couldn't see shit from the in-car. Like, from Hamilton's view, I see that sign is lit. I can't make out what's there. And correct me if I'm wrong, those signs do occasionally have SC written on them when the safety car yeah. is deployed, right? Yeah, in the same sort of color. And they don't have a, there's no standardization on pit. I didn't realize this. I thought every single pit lane had a, a pit lane same. Um, uh, light on it. But apparently you don't in Monza, which kind of makes sense because they want people looking at the left side of the road and not the right. But they're also like pulling, I think, four and a half lateral Gs at the end of the parabolica. So it's, it's He was kind going of, slower. <laughs> at this point oh i guess yeah no but like you're focused yeah. on the pit stop right like i i get it uh, there's a lot I, of places to spin that, like, one <laughs> i'm surprised that there wasn't some you know code in there like do they export the fia stuff in a json <laughs> format or an xml or something that you can ingest and say you know pop up a warning screen when the pit lane totally. is closed i'm sure yeah. they'll add that now but like it is a pretty i think toto's uh another one of his points in that article was like this is a really rare case um, yeah, I don't know that I've ever safe... seen F1 close the pit lane. No, well, I've seen it. It's happened before. Where there have been crashes. Hamilton famously crashed in the pit lane. And uh, <laughs> was it Hungary? I forget which. Malaysia? Was that? What, Turkey? China? I don't know. One of them. But uh, yeah, it, it, it does seem, even just from a simply safety perspective, you really don't want there to be any, you know, gray area. Because they were rolling the car beside the pit yeah. lane at this stage. So it's not ideal, you know? Yeah. Uh, the pit line does eventually open on lap 23 and pretty much everyone else then pits and most teams do the double stack. Uh, some don't, um, presumably because, uh, either that was, they're trying an opposite strategy or because the race resumed on the next lap. So you really only had a one lap window to pit. That was so strange. uh, Under the safety car. Yeah. Yeah. They all had to Um, catch up with the safety car after they got out of the pit lane. They were gunning it because the, the, yeah, I've never seen that happen where the safety car was about to come in and people were like pitting. <laughs> what? Right. Uh, so here's what the field looks like after all those pit stops. Hamilton is in first, having done that illegal pit stop. So we're thinking that he might get a penalty. Stroll is on the soft tires he started the race on. Um, so perhaps his team thought they didn't need the double, double stack or couldn't because Perez, his teammate, came in. Uh, Gasly's in third, who, again, made that wise decision to pit when he did. Giovinazzi is in fourth. He also made that illegal stop. Then we get the people who had made pit stops before Magnussen pulled over. That's Raikkonen, Leclerc, and Latifi. And then, like, the normal pack. Everybody else who pitted after the pit lane was open. So from there, it's Sainz in eighth, 
Norris, Botas, Ricardo, Perez, Verstappen, Ocon, Kvyat, who was running right behind Gasly in 11th. So you can see the difference that that well-timed pit stop made. Um, Russell in 16th, then Grosjean and Albon in 18th. Magnuson and Vettel having retired. Uh, on the restart, Danny, you want to take us through this one? Sure. Um, the safety car comes in. This is lap 24, I believe. Uh, Charlotte Claire manages to overtake both Alphas before the first turn, which has got to be one of the, like, on a bad day for Ferrari, maybe. That was probably uh, one of the coolest little bits. Uh, Kimi Raikkonen, yeah. for his effort, also gets past Giovinazzi pretty fast. Uh, Latifi is just like, I'm stuck in the wrong race here. I'm not supposed to be in seventh. Um, and he is getting gobbled up the whole way around. And then suddenly we turn to a shot of a Ferrari, which we understand is declares because Vettel is already out of this race, um, going sideways into a tire barrier incredibly fast. And it turns out that Leclerc uh, has a big off on the exit of the Parabolica, not necessarily a place where you have sometimes get spin when people get on the dirt out there, but he just lost it. Um, it looked like perhaps, you know, the, the worry was that he had had brake failure or something because Vettel had and the parabolic is a fast turn a lot of fast turns here Monza and all not all that much runoff actually either because it's kind of an old track um bad crash looked very very nasty very glad to see him moving quickly yeah the tires in the barrier go flying um so we get a red flag for them to reset the barrier um this red is flag for those people who don't know means that the race is basically postponed and it will be started yes again. um his tire, and this is the third time this has happened, his tire got ripped off from his car. Did you see that? Oh, it did. I didn't yeah. notice. Where'd it go? Just into the wall somewhere? Yeah. Uh, there was a marshal, like, picking it up and rolling it because it was still steaming from the brakes. Um, also, did you see uh, the guys trying to recover the car and it oh, kind gosh. of flopping oh, around? Great. The- if there was... Jeez. This is a very memeable race, I'm going to say. Oh, because yeah. uh, in a minute, we have Lewis Hamilton's Scooter of Sadness. Uh, and here we have the metaphor of the Ferrari season, uh, with the car being carefully hauled out of the, uh, out of the tire barrier. And then when it's finally clear of the wreckage, it's ass just falls hard on the ground and, uh, the entire crew has to like scatter. It's great. Yeah. Tries to kill somebody on its way. Yeah, so as uh, Rob mentioned, during this red flag, everybody comes into the pits. Hamilton immediately uh, is first issued a 10-second stop-go penalty along with Giovinazzi, uh, which is basically the harshest penalty there is aside from like a disqualification. Um, And Hamilton immediately hops onto his scooter to go and see uh, the stewards. I think he said afterwards to to understand why he got the penalty. uh, some articles are like he he fought the stewards on this. I think he probably was just like, "Tell me what happened." Um, but uh, crucially, you cannot serve your penalty under the red flag. But what you can do is change your tires. So this really benefits Stroll, who is mm. sitting in second place. He was still on the tires that he started the race on. Um, I think Hamilton. Uh, Gasly and a few others do this too, including Raikkonen, who's running in fourth and goes on to softs, I guess, to try to hang with this front pack. Um, so for the restart here, which is, by the way, uh, they changed the rules a little while back. We used to get rolling starts for after red flags. This is the first time first we've ever. had a, yeah, we've had a standing start after a red flag. Uh, which I, for one, am fully on board with. Um, but it's a weird, it's a weird grid uh, for the restart. Hamilton in first, then Stroll, Gasly, Raikkonen, Giovinazzi. Uh, Hamilton and Giovinazzi, of course, have those um, penalty stops coming up. They have to serve them within three laps, I think. Um, then we've got Signs hanging in sixth. Uh, Norris, Botas, Latifi, Ricardo rounding out the top 10. Danny, do you want to take us through the restart? I do. It's so hard to do this because I'm not used to the colors of cars that I'm looking at here. It's so (laughs) strange. Um, Yeah, I mean, Hamilton gets his his normal good getaway. getaway. Stroll has a nightmarish time. Um, Yeah. 
Gasly does a great start, gets past him basically, and then Stroll is getting gobbled up by who's fourth and fifth? Uh, Raikkonen and Giovinazzi. Okay, he's yeah, the Alphas are are, are gobbling him up. Both on is, soft tires, I think. Right, um, which isn't great. And then he's basically fighting with Carlos Sainz and Lando Norris, who are behind the, uh, him at at that stage. Um, he ends up going straight, I think, on the way into the um, into turn five and ends yeah, up rejoining up. the track. Yeah, so he's so they've kind of changed that area. That area used to be just dirt. Like if you went uh, many a car. Um, ended their race uh, at the end of Curva Grande at that braking zone. Um, I forget the name of the game, sorry. Um, the uh, but yeah, there's basically a bollard sort of like Spain now, where you just you just go straight, you turn the corner, and you come back on, rejoin the track. Generally, people are on the left side of the track, so it's pretty safe. So he joins back in, I think, just alongside Carlos Sainz, and he's he's fighting with him. Sainz gets past him on the second Lesmo. Um, he's not very happy, and then suddenly Lando Norris is up his arse as well, but he fights that back, and I think he overtakes Sainz on the way into the Ascari chicane. Uh, really yes. good overtake. Um, yeah, so poor start from Stroll, but sort of managed to, to claw one back from that. And I think Hamilton fits pretty quick to serve his penalty. Yeah, one lap later, um, rejoining in last place. Not only that, 25 seconds, I think, or maybe even 30, behind the closest car. So he effectively hands the lead of the race to Pierre Gasly, who until this point had never led a race. Uh, and incredibly, Mercedes thinks Hamilton can make it back up to sixth place so which i think is where uh, botas is or somewhere around there right so this is this is going to be fun to watch um at this uh, point my- signs <laughs> Can I- go ahead <laughs> the first thing i thought i have a note here on my notes the the person who's in last position right now is also alexander albon so i'm just expecting hamilton to catch up and just knock him off the track <laughs> <laughs> right. as, as is customary at this stage right uh, so lap 29, Signs gets Stroll back again on the start-finish straight for fourth place, which is uh, really third because Giovinazzi has yet to serve his penalty. So effectively, after the restart and all the penalties and all the jockeying, it's Gasly, Raikkonen, Signs, <laughs> Stroll, Norris, Botas. This is so weird. Um, and the weirdness continues, lap 31, Verstappen retires. Uh, this quote here from Verstappen uh, via race fans. First, we had a very bad start. When I dropped the clutch, there was a lot of wheel spin because the engine was hot somehow. Uh, then from there onwards, we got stuck in the DRS train, so you can't pass. After the red flag and the start already, when I accelerated, I had a problem with the engine, so we tried to solve it, but it didn't go away, and we had to retire the car. So uh, overheating engine problems for Verstappen, floor problems for Albon, uh, Red Bull also pretty terrible day uh lap 34 raikkonen not making it easy for signs and fights hard but fair into the first chicane um signs just edging him out on the inside of uh that turn for second place with 19 laps remaining chasing down ghastly uh straw gets by on the next lap for third pulling the same trick he used to get around uh signs this is probably the raciest i've ever seen stroll i thought he i thought he had a pretty good race aside from that yeah. botched restart um so from here we're basically watching two things hamilton climbing the field uh and, Kim, and, and signs falling <laughs> <laughs> yeah that soft tire call maybe not the best uh and then signs chasing down ghastly so uh at this point, personally, I like signs, but at this moment, I am absolutely rooting for Gasly here. Like, he's in... The McLarens have looked strong all year. AlphaTauri been up and down, so he's in... He's sort of the underdog car here. Um, lap 51, Hamilton has made it up to 8th place, and as we were kind of saying, he, he didn't exactly slice through the field. Uh, he, he was overtaking a lot of people, but it wasn't kind of the pace that you would expect from a Mercedes. Um, and the signs ghastly thing comes down to the wire. The last few laps of this were absolutely yeah. amazing. It was uh, wild. I, it was I fluctuating between like 1.5 and 1.1 a sec, uh, seconds between them for like five or six laps. Like, yeah, like closer and then further, closer. Every time science tried to close that gap, you could just tell Gasly was kind of in like reserve mode for a little while. The last four laps, he started to try and create that gap again just to make sure at that last lap they just had enough to keep him out of DRS range yeah I don't remember my heart beating as fast yeah. while watching an F1 race in, in years maybe 
any race that I've ever watched. Uh, Signs comes up to within DRS range and has on the final lap uh, and has two shots at it. Can't get it done, but stays close up to the final turn. Loses out by point. 415 seconds to Pierre Gasly, winner of the Italian Grand Prix. Pandemonium in the Alpha Tauri pit. Yeah. Uh, reminiscent of the only other time that team, in whatever form it was in, has won, which was uh, Sebastian Vettel and Monza back in God knows when. 2008. Um, right, for, um, for, for Toro Rosso, as they were That's right. recently called. Um, yeah, absolutely nuts. I was I wanted Carla Carlos Sainz. I w- was sort of the dark horse for the race. Like, oh, I hope he does. This would be a great race for him to get it. Yeah, you have to remember he has only gotten one podium ever, um, which was the which was also when Gasly uh, got his other only other podium, which was Brazil Interlagos last year. Uh, but of course, um, uh, Carlos Sainz Jr. did not get to celebrate it because it was Hamilton who also got a penalty of that race. There's a lot of things happening again. Um, who got kicked off and then they you know, went up sort of after the race to do their little podium celebration on their own. Um, so I was sort of jo- jockeying for him to do it. But totally, I'm with you. The last 10 laps, I realized, oh, wait a second, Pierre Gasly might win this. And anyone who's watched Drive to Survive season two or three, what are we on? Two we've watched? Um, will know uh, the awful, awful year that he has had between career and the death of a, of a friend and um uh, you know the personal strike it's only his third year in f1 guys i'm surprised he hasn't got as many gray hairs as i have so to see him pull this one out um in the at the temple of speed as well was just like uh it's an know. italian team it's an italian team yeah absolutely insane rob what, what were your thoughts Oh yeah, it was a it was a great um, podium. It was genuinely I like I loved the moment after everyone leaves the podium and he just sort of sits out there that yeah. extra minute to take it in. Um, a guy who I think because because of the misfortunes that have happened with his career over the last year, like definitely understands how fleeting the stuff can be in a way that like. A dude just on the way up who's sort of been walking on water like Max. I'm not sure can, right? Like Max, like not that first win, it mattered a lot. But, you know, I think somebody who just goes from success to success maybe doesn't have it hit that hard as someone like Gasly who, you know, his career flashed before his eyes, uh, basically. Yeah. And uh, now he has sort of completed one of the more... Uh, more impressive rehabilitations I've seen in F1. Um, mm-hmm. You know, if you want to see a comparison, Kafia's come back and he's looked okay, but not, you know, like, I'm not going to sense Kafia is ever going to regain the ground he lost uh, when he sort of crashed out of Red Bull. Um, Gasly might. Gasly has put together a very good uh, year since that demotion. Um, and seems to really get on with that team and that car. Um, two notes on that. Imagine if they had pitted Kvyat first <laughs> yeah. instead of Gasly. We might be looking yeah. at, at, who knows, You know, maybe he wouldn't have been able to fight him off, but they were basically beside each other and Gasly was ahead and got the first pit. Um, which basically, you know, handed him a really good chance to, to not throw this race away. Um, that was something else, and what I rem- what I'm totally with you, Rob. The the this felt the only other. It seems maybe a bit silly, but the only other podium that this reminded me in recent memory was Pastor Maldonado's, because Maldonado, when he won that race, celebrated it like he knew it was the only time he was going to win a race. He knew, everyone on the podium knew, everyone watching knew that this is it. You're never. It's luck and decent drive good driving and everything else conspired to make this happen and gasly not because he's he hasn't got skill but perhaps just the reality of what his career has been like for the past few years understands that you know it's taken 25 years for another frenchman to win this race you know grosjean's been in the sport or our race grosjean's been in the sport um you know olivier panis was there's a you know actually one of the great mo- moments of this was grosjean coming up and hugging him when he got out of the car did you guys see that yeah, <laughs> yeah and leclerc and leclerc yeah so like everyone i think you know 
nobody seemed to begrudge him the the victory. There was a great um, radio from Grosjean when Haas told him he won, uh, and he was delighted. And I just thought that was so sweet. You know, Grosjean's never won a race in F1, and yet he was nothing but immediately delighted for him. So it just felt lovely to see him up there. And there was a couple of interviews with him after the fact where he said, you know, Brazil, when he was up there on the podium, he didn't really have the chance like he, it happened too quickly and he was up and down he didn't really get the chance to to soak it in and i thought it was really nice that they put the tricolor out on the on the star finish straight to make it sort of give it the impression of more people and they had them up on the podium they haven't done the podium much this year slash at all um and they had you know the team underneath them uh, cheering along and even the red bull garage gave them all the big pats on the back um yeah, it was, was really, cool. really special. It felt like it felt like a moment. It felt like a champ or like a championship win or something. You know, it was just really momentous. But we agree, not necessarily a convincing win in terms of uh, like I, I don't even necessarily want to make this like Gasly versus Albin because I think that might be too narrow a way to put mm. it. But just in terms of, I think Gasly has proven he has successfully restored his reputation from the damage that was done to it during that first half of the season last year, uh, where he was so clearly the the weak link, uh, and he seemed to have no business driving for Red Bull. It does seem like he has definitely made the case that he does belong in F1. He's a good driver. He's uh, more than competent. But at the same time, this win did not seem to require a great deal of exceptional, like, there aren't a lot of heroics I can point to uh, with this race. Like, literally, it is... Like the moment this race hinges on is Magnuson going into the grass uh, behind him as he pulls into the pits. Yeah, somebody said Magnuson driver of the day, which I thought was pretty funny. Um, yeah, I'm totally with you. He didn't, you know, there was two. I it, I think it shows that he has the mentality for it, which was what people were saying he didn't have when he was at Red Bull, which was very clear. He just lost a rag in the same way Kvyat did, right? And I think he did well on the restart to, to you know, hold position. Um Although you could argue that number three basically scuffed it and, and got gobbled up by everyone, and and crucially he managed the tires well, and he they were driving sideways through a lot of those corners for the last couple of laps, mm-hmm. and he managed to like he the, the part of the race where he won it was the last three laps against Signs, but also it was the last three lap against Signs. It wasn't against Leclerc or Hamilton or you know it was against another sort of you know up and comer so to speak. So yeah, I'm with you. I, I you know he was. This luck got him a lot of the way, but he didn't bottle it. And uh, yeah, I, I, I enjoyed it more as a as a beautiful moment for F1 yep. rather than, a, you know, an exceptional performance. We were talking before the race and, you know, I was thinking like, was this one of the great races? And I'm like, no, it's not really. Like it, a couple of weird things happened. It was very shocking. And like, you know, cats and dogs were, were you know, living together. And it was kind of a mad because you were like, why is Hamilton at the back? And why can't Botas get past everyone? And what the fuck is Kimi Raikkonen doing in second? You know, with Giovinazzi. <laughs> it was just kind of like a topsy-turvy race. So it was entertaining in that way. But like in terms of racecraft, there wasn't really all that much going on in terms of big overtakes. A couple of great moments, but, you know, certainly not at the front. You know, he got the race lead from a pit stop. And, and he got the race lead from Hamilton pitting to serve his penalty so it wasn't like wasn't like that but um still yeah, but he didn't he they didn't screw up and mercedes did and mm. yeah he uh he he sealed the deal at the end of the day uh I, I but i think you're right i think i think what was most exciting to me was the realization that this can still happen in formula one um if, yeah if if they make it happen if they yes. add in, you know, like maybe this engine thing did screw the Mercedes a bit. Like that's exciting. Yeah, cool. and Red Bull maybe. Yeah. yeah. So you know, and at the right, at the, at the right, the right circuit as well. You know. Yeah, it was cool. Um, race fans has some some good stats here. Uh, it is the closest finish uh, to close uh, a Formula One race in ten years. That really, four one five seconds. Yeah. Wow. Um, first French winner, like you said, Danny, since Olivier Panis at Monaco 96. Um, AlphaTauri ended a 2,730-day wait for anyone other than Mercedes, Ferrari, or Red Bull to win a race. Wow. That run stretched back to Kimi Raikkonen's victory for Lotus at the 2013 Australian Grand Prix. 
Uh, not only did Mercedes, Ferrari, and Red Bull fail to win, none of their cars finished in the top three places. You have to go back to the 2012 Hungarian Grand Prix, won by Lewis Hamilton's McLaren, ahead of Lotus pair Kimi Raikkonen and Roman Grosjean for the last time that happened. Wow. Uh, and um, I guess just to close it off here, uh, final some final radio messages from Russell and Latifi yeah. thanking Claire Williams and the Williams family for their final race in Formula One, which leads us directly into the news. In a pretty shocking announcement, Claire Williams and, again, the, the rest of the Williams family uh, have stepped away from Formula One, from their team, Williams. This team will still exist, uh, having been a- acquired by uh, Doralton Capital. Um, but uh, from Autosport here, Claire Williams will, will relinquish her role after this weekend's Italian Grand Prix. The team has made uh, no announcement yet, uh, well, according to this article, who will succeed her as the day-to-day boss of the Grove outfit. Uh, she says, with the future of the team now secured, this feels like the appropriate time for us to step away from the sport. As a family, we have always prioritized Williams. We've demonstrated that by our recent actions with our strategic review process, and we believe now is the right time to hand over the reins and give the new owners the opportunity uh, to take the team into the future. I've loved every minute and will be forever grateful for the opportunities it has given me, but it's also an incredibly challenging sport, and now I want to see what else the world holds for me. Most importantly, I want to spend time with my family. So uh, she made it clear that Doralton Capital wanted her to stay, uh, that this was her decision, um, and it came as kind of a blindside to the team team's head of vehicle performance dave uh, robson explained how it had been received by the squad quote uh so that news at the beginning of the weekend was a bit of a surprise to us um and he didn't even know if they had any plans for who was going to take over they have since announced that um let's see uh simon roberts who fulfilled the role of managing director at the team since joining in June, this according to Formula1.com, will be taking over. On arriving at Grove, Roberts took overall responsibility for the team's technical operations and planning functions, uh, reporting to Mike O'Driscoll, who announced on Tuesday that he would be retiring from the team after a transiton period, transition period. Transiton. uh, Following the sale. Uh, so Simon Roberts spent nearly 17 years at McLaren as operations director and then chief operating officer. He also did a second, um, uh, wait, what does this mean? This is a Britishism. He also did a year on secondment at force India. What does that mean? I I can't help you. I don't know. Like when you are seconded, like when you are, uh, I think it means basically you're on loan. Uh, okay. So, like, when you are seconded to another department or something to get you, like, ah. cross-departmental, uh, like, experience. Uh, so, that is how I would interpret that, which might mean that um, if McLaren were grooming him for higher-level work, they might have wanted, like, they might have seen a incentive to put him with Force India to give him that COO uh, experience before bringing him into the C-suite over at McLaren. Yeah, so he's got some he's got some experience, uh, and he is the interim boss. So, um, no word yet on. Uh, of course, those guys have a way be... of becoming permanent. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Like this, like that, like that CV that we're that you just read, like is the sort of person who ends up becoming like the the permanent boss. Um, I, I I don't know much about like his actual performance as like somebody who like whips a team's operations into shape. Uh, Force India was well run, but he was there briefly. Uh, Seventeen years in McLaren—that's a lot of ups and downs uh, that career uh, mm-hmm. encompasses. Um, but you know what? Good on Claire for getting out. Um, that Williams documentary was depressing as hell, in part yeah. because she seemed like somebody who was kind of obligated to continue chasing someone else's dream yeah 100 percent. that 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 a lot of her interviews seem to be like that too where you're like if her dad you know there was a joke where she said like you know people say you're only in the sport because your dad is frank williams she says she's like yeah like that's why i'm doing this because it's my dad's legacy nothing is more important um even her mother's since her mother's passing a number of years ago she they've had her name initials i think on the cars too that's also getting removed she was like i it seems like she has taken her like passion for family that she had in f1 and is now kind of like all right 
time to bring that home and 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 it makes sense right like if she stay if they stayed in now you're basically committing to like another yes. era right this is your only chance to like mm-hmm. leave on a good re- resolved note cuz yeah. yeah what if yeah you could stay and maybe that era would go well but like what if in 4 years like you had that injection of capital and you're still kind of a me- mediocre team ugh yeah. Killer. I wonder uh, if the COVID stuff is also because that's remember we were talking about Vettel a couple of months ago where he was like suddenly he was at home for months in a row and he's like it's made me reevaluate like the things that are important to me like you have to sit surely that's got to be the case for somebody who's got kids as well you know like if you're yeah. suddenly home a lot how do you go back on the road for years again that must be so so difficult yeah ignorance is bliss probably for a lot of them a few more uh, quick news hits here. Rob, what's up with Tracing Point? <laughs> uh, it looks like we might have finally achieved peace. Uh, so there is a very specific rule now for the 2021 season that defines and bans uh, reverse engineering in F1. Uh, so Dieter Rankin wrote a piece explaining this a little, a little bit. Uh, but basically, it is going to be a retroactive uh, rule up- applied. Uh, so anyone who has been uh, like doing what Racing Point did to construct their car for this year, um, like if I'm interpreting this correctly, uh, that will not be allowed. Like everything has to comply with this new regime where uh, you are allowed to use photos. You are allowed to do anything that you can get publicly available on a competitor's car you can use that and use that as a reference to to build a car you can't take cad documents from people and extrapolate from those uh that's the line they're drawing and since uh the teams have all agreed to this for 2021 uh suddenly all the sort of protests and appeals that were sputtering along around the racing point have been dropped. Racing Point is not appealing and Ferrari is not appealing for a stiffer penalty. Like the entire matter is closed. Uh, and basically the threat that the, the tracing point model, the model where, uh, you know, customer teams would be taking, uh, taking advanced parts, part designs from their, from their like parent teams and like extrapolating from those, that model is, is, is gone. Uh, which seems to be the thing that a lot of the team owners were afraid of. So this is how we got out of this. All right. I mean, I'm kind of happy that they've at least codified some kind of, they've ruled in some way on this. Um, And that seems like a pretty clear cut line, like publicly available information and design documents. That seems, seems clear to me. I don't know. Yeah. First time there's Um, been clarity on this one in a while. It seems like. Yeah. Do you guys, we're running on low on time here. We still got to get through Magella. Do you want to just skip these? Oh, or? I'll just I'll let me let me punch him. I'll punch him out. Okay, punch him. Uh, all right, all right, Danny. What else we got here? Uh, we got two little quick hits. First of all, uh, with the whole shenanigans we had, um, a lot of questions being asked of Ross Braun whether or not reverse grid races will be worth considering again. Uh, got a quote here from Ross Braun saying, Monza was a candidate for a ris- reverse grid sprint race when we were considering testing the format this year. Unfortunately, we could not move forward with it, but the concept is still something we in the FAA want to work through in the coming months and discuss with teams for next year. We believe that yesterday's race showed the excitement and mixed up pack and deliver and with this year's cars remaining the same as uh, this year, sorry, next year's, um, our fans could be treated to a similar drama we saw at the weekend in Monza. And if anyone watched the Formula 3 races, which were once again fantastic, and so is Formula 2, um, they know how good sprint races are. Um, oh, sorry, I should say Formula 2. F2 has the sprint race on a Sunday. Um, and it was a lot of fun. Uh, and then the last bit of news here is we're not done with the renaming of teams. Uh, this one came totally <laughs> out of left field, but Renault are going to rebrand as Alpine for 2021. Uh, for folks who don't know alpine is kind of uh it's it's a, it's a separate company i think that was like bought over by renault decades ago and um, but it's essentially been the the wing that they've used in rally sports car they recently um uh were in the they're in the lmp2 class in uh, fa world endurance championship um and so they're going to swap from renault which is sort of traditionally the consumer car name they've used to alpine that also means that they're changing from the sort of famous yellow and gold or sorry, yellow and, and black, to uh, the sort of blue French tricolor um, uh, aesthetic of 
uh, Alpine. So you can look forward to seeing Alpine on track with uh, Esteban Ocon and Fernando Alonso from 2021. Bye-bye, Renault. Hmm. Uh, I just wanted to point out here how a, a reverse grid thing would work. This would be, uh, we've discussed it before, but like this would take the place of qualifying. So instead of having the like timed lap shootout thing, you would have a miniature race whose grid would be set by uh, the championship order as it stood. Um, then you would do your shorter race. And I think you might be awarded like half points so people wouldn't try to game the system by finishing lower. Uh, right. And then you would take the finish of that and flip it and then have the real race. So the, the sprint race would set the grid for the real race on Sunday. Uh, I think it's weird. I think it would be fun to watch and they should totally try it. Uh, they should also totally try Total Wolf's idea of opening up internal team communications <laughs> to add drama. Uh, like instead of uh, just having driver to pit wall, pit wall to driver, they should have like team principal to strategist i want to hear that stuff i want to hear it all uh i want to see mugello danny tell me about it okay we're not done the second piece of bread is getting slowly uh, pushed onto the italian sandwich and we are off to mugello which is not it's Muge, it's mugello right is that what we're saying mugello yep. what are we mugello. mugello mugello so like a cow delicious having some jelly mugello which is good because jello is often made from cows so there you go uh, it's in the uh, <laughs> tuscan hills so it looks a little bit like austria um the the a1 ring and it kind of has a similar traditional feel to it it sort of conforms to the natural topography of the land around it um this track uh also like austria which is owned by Red Bull, is owned by a team. It's owned by Ferrari, who rather hilariously will be running their their 1,000th race this weekend. Um, Probably could have picked a better time for that, guys, but uh, here we are. Um, It was built in 1973 after over half a century of road races that happened in a nearby town uh, were cancelled after a seven-month-old baby was killed. That kind of... Oh, my God. Yeah put an end to that it was only the second death that had ever happened at the race but it was enough for them to go you know what we need to put this on a track and uh, it's one of the most favorite tracks for drivers that go on it uh, it's close to Florence it's 14 turns sorry it's actually 15 turns on my notes says 14 it's a uh, 5.2 uh, kilometers so around the same distance as, as something like Albert Park so we're going to have 59 laps around this one um I uh, got some quotes here from some drivers about it. Uh, Mark Webber said uh, that he did 10 dry laps around Mugello, which is the same as doing a hundred th- or sorry, a thousand laps around Abu Dhabi in terms of satisfaction. Um, <laughs> Fourth time world champion Sebastian Vettel said, unfortunately, uh, we don't have this track on the calendar. It's an incredible circuit with a lot of high speed corners. Um, there's a lot to say about Mugello. It is, it's a it's a weird track, and I, we're not really sure how this one's going to go. But one of the things to take into consideration when you're coming at it as a as a as a noob like I was is that almost half of this track is corners. Forty eight point five percent of this track is taken turning left or right. There's a lot of turns, and a lot of them are taken at high speed. Um, Paul DeResta said they're likely not to drop lower than fourth gear around this entire circuit. There are hardly any slow speed corners anywhere on this um <laughs> where where herman tillica would have put a 90 degree angle they put a nice round turn that maybe even has multiple apexes on it um so this is really gonna hurt their necks that's the big sort of thing is that the amount of g's are going to be pulling through this it's not that much variance in altitude it's kind of similar to something like uh like the red bull ring it's 41 uh, meters um from you know lowest point to highest point spa would be 97 and monza's 13 just to give you an idea so it's kind of just in the middle there um but it's also not very wide so overtaking here is going to be tough they still haven't said as far as i could see where the drs straight's going to be um there's likely only one spot for it and it's on a start finish straight which means the first turn turn one which is kind of a it's almost like curva grande it's a bit of a wide turn um not as long as it, not as grande, but um, uh, it's it's one of the only places where the apex is slightly wide enough to pull it off. Um, the section between uh, turns six and, and nine, and there's obviously no point in getting into what this looks like or anything, because a lot of you won't know like me, but that looks like fun. There's a lot of high-speed corners there. So you're going to have a lot of people very close behind It looks like if you take an people. amoeba and karate chop it. 
Oh, is that what it looks like? Yeah, like yeah. You kind of down the middle. Uh-huh. Yeah, it, it folds in on itself, kind of like those classic, you know, it kind of, it does remind me a lot of Austria. Apparently the final section of this is quite like the final uh, sector three in Austria as well. Um, this is going to be the first race where we have fans back as well. There have uh, almost 3,000 trackside fans split across, I think, three or four different spots around the track. Um uh, trackside each day so they'll have them for practice quality and for race day um how much of an effect that'll have nobody knows but it means ferrari are going to make a little bit of money so good for them they'll need it to put in a better car <laughs> uh well weather wise it looks to be just balmy on qualifying day and race day we have about uh we have very similar uh weather 80s uh low 80s and um fahrenheit and uh high 20s celsius and um, looks like only a maybe like 10 or 15% chance of rain on qualifying day. But other than that, bone dry uh, winds also not too strong. Uh, I realize I forgot to say uh, who came in all the places except for first from that uh, Monza race. It's Gasly, Signs, Stroll rounding out the podium. Then we've got Norris, Botas, Ricardo. Hamilton in seventh. I think he also finished seventh uh, when Toro Rosso won in 2008. Ah. Uh, 2008 as well, which is funny. Wow. Uh, Ocon in eighth, Kvyat in ninth, and Perez uh, rounding out the top ten. Latifi just missing out on points. Grosjean in twelfth. Then Raikkonen, Russell, Albon, and Giovinazzi. Verstappen, Leclerc, Magnussen, and Vettel were all DNFs. Driver standings, Hamilton on top with 164. Botas with 117. Verstappen with 110. Then we've got a tie for fourth with Stroll and Norris, 57 points. Just behind them is Albon with 48. Leclerc's got 45. Gasly's got 43. Sainz and Ricardo are tied with 41 for ninth place. Paris in 11th with 34. Ocon's got 30. Vettel with 16. Hulkenberg still hanging strong with 6 points and 14th place kvyat's in 15th with four points giovinazzi with two magnuson with one and then latifi grosjean raikkonen and russell all have zero ghastly eighth place in the driver's championship constructors mercedes has 281 points in first place red bull's got 158 mclaren's got 98 racing point with 82 renault's got 71 ferrari with 61, they're in sixth place. Ugh. Alpha Tauri now has 47 points to their name. Alpha Romeo uh, in eighth place with two. Gene Hassan team with one. And Williams with zero. Um, in our uh, official Fantasy League standings, top five, Parks Ferme. Nice. From England. Sam Team 2 from England, Planes Weekly from Canada, Putt-Putt Racing from America, and in the first, number one spot, Mercedes Nuts from America. <laughs> uh, if you'd like to send us an email, you can do so at shiftf1podcast at gmail.com or f1.cool slash emails. You can also hit us up on Twitter at shiftf1podcast. That's us around the internet. Should we take it around the world, it's Danny? It's around the world. Oh, yeah. Juju Noda and her band are back at the Danish F4, uh, F4 racing at Padborg Park. Jesus. Uh, DTM is racing this oh. weekend at the Nürburgring. That's right. I love the Nürburgring. Uh, <laughs> Mugello is also um, uh, will be populated this weekend by Formula 2 and Formula 3 cars. Uh, Indy's got a doubleheader this weekend at Mid-Ohio. Much better. Uh, Much better North Ohio and South Ohio. Ugh. <laughs> Uh, Super GT is back uh, for their round four at Twin Ring Motegi in the Tochigi Prefecture. Quality Prefecture. Uh, Thank you. And (laughs) MotoGP uh, is back. I missed it last weekend. Um, But they are racing in, uh, let's see, San Marino for the Gran Primo di San Marino e della Riviera di Rimini. Jesus. That's right. That's a lot. I don't miss Emma. Good. <laughs> uh, Gander Mountain Trucks, they're racing this weekend. The Toyota Care 250 at Richmond Raceway. Mm. Uh, the Xfinity Series also racing at Richmond for the Go Bowling 250. And I will not go Oh, my. Where we going, Drew? Oh, yeah. Where is They're the, also where? at Richmond. It's a Richmond party for the Federated Auto Parts 400. 
Yep. You could build a car with auto parts. That's all I got to say. I, I had nothing. I, yeah, I couldn't think of anything. That's that seems that seems like for once an appropriate sponsor for a race. <laughs> Not uh, fucking. You can't bowling. think of anything because your your head is just so f- packed with Formula One. Uh, great race this last weekend. Hopefully, a good one coming up. We've got free practice September 11th, 5 a.m. on ESPN Eastern Time, followed by free practice two at 9 a.m. on ESPN two. Uh, then we got free practice three Saturday at 6 a.m. on ESPN, qualifying at 9 a.m. ESPN two, and then the race, the Tuscan Grand Prix, everyone, mm. Sunday, September 13th at 9:10 a.m. on ESPN two. The Deuce. Uh, final thoughts Danny uh, I think it's amazing that we got to the end of this podcast without anything else breaking that people won't know but we've had me- multiple technical issues I currently have two different sets of construction happening in my house uh, Rob's computer is has been dying non-stop for this entire time and also the sky outside is a weird sepia color because all of California <laughs> is on fire so I'm really happy that Pierre Gasly won we got to enjoy it and this podcast somehow came out uh, Rob, final thoughts. Great show, everybody. Glad the computer uh, held together. Let's go. <laughs> uh, if you'd like to support the show and get access to all of our bonus episodes, you can do so at patreon.com slash shift F1. Have a good race weekend, everyone. We will see you all next week. Mamma mia.